Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laughing, yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I am your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Like always, we have a good show for you. Feeling a little hungover from the weekend, but not alcohol hungover because I'm straight edge now. I'm hungover because I went to three shows this weekend. And two of those shows after working a 10-hour shift at the old day job. On Friday, I went to see Fozzie, pro wrestler Chris Jericho's band. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Very good show. And shout out to uh, the opening, one of the opening bands, Joyous Wolf, uh, for hooking me up with the tickets. Uh, they were really, really awesome. Uh, shout out to other publicists, Tom George, for uh, letting me know about this band. They're really good, man. They they were super fun. Uh, very bluesy riff, hard rock band. Just a good old rock band. Uh, we're gonna try to get them on the podcast in the near future super excited to uh talk with those guys and then on saturday i went and i went to the fillmore detroit to see the stoner rock doom metal band sleep there that was super rad just had i'm not i'm not extremely familiar with sleep's category but i did go with my friend steve he super loves those guys and he said they just played pretty much older material. They didn't play anything new. But it was super rad. Like, those guys never come to Michigan. I don't know if when's the last time, if ever, they came to Detroit. But they don't come to Detroit. It was originally supposed to be at St. Andrews. That sold out really quickly, so they moved to the Fillmore. A lot of people were pissed off that who originally bought it because they were like, I want to see them at St. Andrews. It would be better there. But it was still really good. Really enjoyed that show. And then last night, I went to the... Insane Clown Posse Attila Slam Fest Tour. It concluded here in Detroit. 
on Easter Sunday, April Fool's Day. Super fun. This is one of the first... Okay, I've been an ICP fan since I was fucking 14, 12, 13, whatever. Early 90s. Since, since around the time Ringmaster came out. That's when I first started listening to ICP. And I've been to a ton of their concerts. But this is the first time that I actually got into the mix. Into the Fago zone. I played in the Fago. I was drenched in Fago by the time I left the Fillmore. And it was super, super, like, cathartic, man. It was so much fun. Paying for it in a little bit today. I'm a little banged up. A little, a little, little sore in places. But oh, it was super fun. And that was actually one of, like, it was a solid uh, tour. A solid lineup. Uh, everybody was super fun. Um, ICP had a really good set list. It was, like, a lot of fun. Attila is always really fun live. Uh, I was really impressed by this band that was on Twitter, uh, Siler. They're from uh, New York, kind of like a, like more of a metalcore band. They, like, they uh, have two vocalists, basically. Uh, they have a main uh, vocalist who does singing, screams, and everything. But then their guitarist does does some clean vocals also, and he has a really good voice. I'm going to uh, definitely go... Uh, Check, check them out more. Their name's uh, Siler, and they were really fucking good. Um, this is the first time I got to see Cage, like, you know, the old school, or not, it's old school now. Uh, during that whole sort of independent, you know, hip-hop phase in the late 90s into the 2000s. Uh, something's really weird, though. I was checking online on Twitter, and Cage has me blocked on Twitter. Cage, why did you block me on Twitter? I don't ever remember saying anything bad about you. Why are you blocking me on Twitter? Unblock me. I'm cool with you. You're cool. You're cool live on the ICP show. Come on, man. What did I do? I don't ever remember. Only time I ever remember mentioning Cage on Twitter was when I was going and I was talking about how much I love the High and Mighty Home Field Advantage album. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. But Cage, unblock me on Twitter. Kelly Omega Fresh. <laughs> all right, all right. Enough of that. We got a really dope show for you today. Uh, I got Michigan-based comic book, sci-fi, horror author, Casey Pierce. I met her recently at the Astronomicon uh, pop culture convention uh, that was out in Sterling Heights, Michigan. That uh, that twisted in the good people at Magic Ninja Entertainment put on this year. Um, it's cool, you know. It's cool to meet her. Then we, uh, then I saw her recently at the Fantasticon uh, comic book convention in Toledo. Uh, she has a, you know, she's in the middle of a comic book right now called Nora. So we get into the bits and pieces of that. It's a bit of a sci-fi, you know, comic book. There's this thing about you know sort of the 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 sort of dance that we all play between like technology and the after it's, it's really it, we get into the nuts and bolts of it in our interview she also has a horror novella called pieces of madness i just actually picked that up i haven't had a chance to read it yet but it's definitely on my list to get um, to to uh read that up soon uh we uh Upcoming upcoming podcast, we have another 
Michigan-based um, sort of horror comic book writer Stephanie Menard. Also have um, strange music, pop music recording artist Mackenzie Nicole. You might have seen her on certain uh, Tech Nine projects, uh, but she has her own album, her debut album coming out on April 13th. I've already heard it. It's a smash. Uh, so that she's going to be on an upcoming um, podcast. And we've got a lot of cool things in the works for uh, future guests coming up on Fresh is the Word. Now, let's get into the interview with Casey Pierce. Yeah, we first met a few weeks ago at the Astronomicon um, convention. That was, like, so, so much fun. It was. You know what? That was uh, actually the promoter for that. Um, I saw him at Great Lakes Comic Con, and he said, do you have any, like, um, criticisms or things that we could have done better? And I said, honestly, I mean, the weather, but <laughs> it, it was great. And uh, this show had so much against it. And the biggest snowstorm we've seen uh, in southeast Michigan uh, in the past probably decade uh, was against it. But the great thing was people came in um, from all over the place, Oklahoma, um, Virginia, just everywhere across the nation. They came on Thursday and booked up the hotel. So a lot of people just came downstairs. Right. Uh, but it, it was a packed show, and they're already sold out of uh, rooms for next year. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, Twisted fans are awesome. They really, really are. They're hardworking uh, blue-collar folks. They thanked us for being there. Very humble. Um, they love comic books. They love horror, primarily. Uh, but they were awesome. Right. I come from, you know, more of the music, you know, music scene sort of thing, being a music journalist and whatnot. I, you know, I don't go, I don't, I've never been to any sort of those, like, comic book conventions, pop culture conventions. So that was, like, my first one going to. And I was mm -hmm. like, I had so much fun at it, you know, and everybody was so nice to talk to all the vendors, all the exhibitors, like everybody was so nice to talk to. Did you have a chance to talk to Dirk Manning? Yes. Yes. Okay. He used to be a music journalist. Yeah. And he was, um, when they were doing the Haunted High Ends uh, panel there, they, he was talking about all of that, how the, um, how his days as a music journalist, um, tied into actually working with Twisted eventually because he knew about their previous group, House of Crazies. Yeah, yeah. He, he's very, very schooled in his music. Actually, that's something that I had wanted to do uh, way back in the day when I, I first started college. Um, but I wound up going to school for business. So. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, the thing that was so cool about, um, about the convention, meeting everybody, was that like, like when I came up to uh, talk with you and David um, and some of the other people, it was just like, yeah, you were there to, like, present your work, but I got to just, like, talk with you guys, shoot the shit. Like, you guys weren't trying to, like, overly overly sell me on anything. No, not at all. We're, we are very genuine people. We, we really are. Um, I actually uh, give a panel on the importance of marketing and branding, and I talk about how to stand out um, in a sea full of people doing or want to be the same thing you are, you know, a, a creator that's seen. Um, and it is important to, uh, to stay genuine, you know, to make that connection. Cause I can make mindless sales hand over fist to thousands of people, but I don't need those sales. I need the right 500 people to follow me. And that's a huge difference. 
Right. Yeah. Just that. Just tires are built. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Just those few minutes of just shooting the shit with somebody, they can be like, you know what? Yo, she was cool, man. I'm, you know, when I see another comic book by her, you know, I might be more apt to pick it up than just the person that I just bought some stuff off of. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it was super cool. It was super cool just to, you know, meet you and the other people there. I just I had just great time in Astronomicon. It was awesome. So It I was cool. Dave and I, like, we, we play well off of each other. I mean, it's it's never mind that uh, the Ra and Nora uh, exist in the same universe. There's just, um, you know, we, we try to do as many cons as we can together because we just have a, a chemistry when it comes to not just sales, but just, you know... Um, these con days are long days and we <laughs> get through. We're, we're the best of friends. So you just mentioned something about, you know, sort of the marketing aspect of all of this and staying genuine. What are some other things that you, you like to do just try to stand out from other people? Uh, well, you know, dress for the job you want. So, you know, don't dress like a slob. I try to look as professional as possible. Um, also, um, gosh, just, uh, it's, it's really hard to talk about your work, but you have to get it down and you have to, <laughs> um, and even if you have to sort of compare uh, and contrast with other things, for example, um, you know, it, when it comes to connecting, um, I can say, you know, do you like the X-Files? You know, people are like, yeah, I'm like, well, this is in a similar vein. Some people get insulted and they're like, no, nothing like the X-Files <laughs> are. You know, my work is, it stands it stands alone. No, it's it, there's nothing new under the sun, just different ways of doing it. Um, and I always say that Nora is eventually just one big uh, homage to Starship Troopers. That's my favorite book. Um, and that's okay. And if you like Starship Troopers, you'll dig this, you know. Uh, I think that's an important, too. And also, try not to go into the plot. I, I can't stress this enough. You got to get it down to one or two sentences. I know you're going to be saying the same thing over and over <laughs> over the course of a 10 hour day, but you know, you don't want to get the end then syndrome when you're describing everything that happens and you're like, Oh, there was a guy on the ground and he looked up in the air and there was an explosion in the air and he was like, Whoa. And there was a guy, <laughs> here. you know, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then we get really excited when we talk about our story and we're like, well, the, two sentences or the three sentences that's that's not the whole story i go i know they don't want the whole story you know right. so uh, also when you i mean it's the same thing when you're pitching to publishers um when you sell your work um just act like you've got you've got five minutes five minutes for someone to and hopefully at the end they'll say well I'd like to know more. I would like to purchase this book or I want to know about the story or in a publisher's case, I could potentially throw down money on this. How's your work ethic? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, you're, you're originally from Michigan, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool. What kind of a kid were you growing up? Uh, uh, I was, gosh, very eccentric. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends. I just like to entertain myself in my room, <laughs> lip syncing all the time. Uh, you know, I wanted to be, hang on. Okay. Um, sorry about that. Um, I wanted to be Madonna. Okay. And I, <laughs> I asked my mother if I could dye my hair blonde because I wanted to be here so bad. And that's the funny thing. If you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have said that. And I went to uh, a Methodist school. So 
Uh, if that tells you anything about my upbringing, <laughs> that, that's it in a nutshell. A girl who went to a private school who always wanted to be Madonna. What were your sort of like creative outlets going up, growing up? Singing, dancing. I took uh, dance for 10 years, tap and jazz. Um, I just, I just, I loved, uh, entertaining my parents. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think a lot of the dance and singing, but mostly writing. I, I was writing for a long, long time, even as a kid. Um, I had, I re I repost this on Facebook, uh, quite often, like every Christmas, but I wrote a story, um, about, uh, how I took on the devil. Um, in heaven that was my christmas angel story oh okay Um, like this angel um and then this sheet that you could write the story on and i made the angel's hair black and then green eyes like mine and then i'm like um oh tell tell a really nice christmas story i'm like okay this one time i'm gonna kick the devil's ass (laughs) that was like foreshadowing uh, but my mother loved it we put it up every year still so that was in third grade Oh, when did you, uh, when did you start sort of, uh, writing seriously, wanting to like, you know, do stuff in regards to, you know, being a comic book author or sci-fi horror writer? You know what? I have to say it's all thanks to people who believed in me. Um, I always say if there were no regrets, I mean, there's no regrets in life, but if there's one I could pinpoint, it was, uh, in my early twenties living for other people. Yeah. Um, I, um, uh, sorry, there's noise going on in the background. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wanted to go to school for journalism. Like I said, I wanted to be a writer and people who had my best interest at heart, um, said, you know, you should go to school for business because then you can do whatever you want. Uh, even though that's not what I wanted to do, I still did it. But then later on, um, you know, that just never left me. I never stopped writing no matter what it was. Uh, and I never stopped reading. And Tony Maiello of Rocketing Studios um, at the time was a fan of my website, CosmicCasey.com. And I was a blogger. And I would just write these snarky blogs uh, commenting on the comic book scene uh, and the Comic-Con scene. And he's like, hey, oh, I think you can write uh, horror. I think you can write fiction. I go, I don't write fiction. That's not what I do. You know, I, I'm the snarky blogger. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, so I try. I actually tried my hand at it. I would blog uh, a chapter a month of what later became becomes Nora, uh, which is called the Prophecy Effect. It's still up there on my website. Um, and uh, once I did that, he's like, you know, I, th- I think you can write horror because there's thin lines between sci-fi and horror. So I wrote um, a short story uh, called Dollface. And Dollface made his way into Pieces of Madness, and Pieces of Madness was published by Tony Maiello's company, which was Rocketing Studios. And now that was the first release before the re-release through SourcePoint Press. Okay. Um, and then later on, you know, after I was selling out of Pieces of Madness at uh, Comic Cons, you know, this book that had absolutely no pictures in it. Um, and so Travis approached me and he said, you know, I, I need you to write a, a comic book for me. I need you to pitch comic. I go, I'll never write comics. That is not what I do. <laughs> I write- so he goes, well, pitch me a comic. So I scaled the prophecy effect down to the main character. He said, I need 22 pages. I've never written a comic script in my life um, until I looked at uh, the late, great Geary Reed's Dead World, if you're familiar. Okay. Um, 
And uh, I'm like, I think I can do this. I can do this. So it's kind of like writing a movie, right? Like a movie in your head. And I would write down scenes like I would write down camera angles. And I pitched it to him. And then he signed me to four issues. And here we are. I guess I write comic books now. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) streaming is how I came into this. But I'm enjoying every minute of it. And it just goes to show, don't fight the tide, guys. Do it. Get out there and do it. I wish I had done it sooner. How did you, how did it feel going into that first uh, body of work that got published? Um, it was <laughs> it was unreal. It was like I have a book. This is a thing. These are my words, and people are reading my words, and uh, and and they're enjoying it. And um, it was awesome. And it's, speaking of Gary Reed, um, I remember when it was released, he actually read the book, the entire book, and he gave me eight pages of critiques. Rookie mistake um, that I still have to this day, and um, it was an honor. And and like I, I always say, I've been torn apart by the best, and, <laughs> and he was great. And I took everything that he said, um, and and I apply it still. Um, and he he was a huge inspiration um, to me, and it showed that he believed in me too. Um, so and and we all miss Gary. What were some of the things that you uh, you learned from Gary? Uh, <laughs> when he first read Nora, he goes, I liked it. Where's your dialogue? Because uh, he's like, well, that's a preference, you know. Uh, I learned a lot about um, story structure um, and third-party perspectives. And um, I, I learned what it is to keep, to be genuine and keep um, your good character um on the con scene and in this industry because you can get callous pretty quick. Um, but he was a man of great character and he'd been around for decades, decades and decades and decades. And, um, that, that really inspired me. It really, really did. And that's something that I'll always remember was Gary was a man of great character. With, uh, you know, since, you know, since you started writing, you know, sci-fi the comic books and everything up until what you're doing right now you know what do you think you've you know you've learned during this process what you know what what has probably improved the most in your writing style or just what you do in general oh god i've come leaps and bounds man (laughs) uh actually going into volume two of nora travis said to me uh travis uh the editor-in-chief of source point goes girl these scripts have come a long way (laughs) um and I thank that to the editing process. Guys, listen to your editors. They are not there to berate you. They are there to shape you. And um, I remember when we did the first edits of Pieces of Madness, uh, Leah Lederman, uh, who's Dirk Manning's editor, she said, now I'm not trying to berate you, but you do have certain habits that, you know, X, Y, Z. And I think at the time it was holding the reader's hand um, over choreography. Um, and I said, no, this is free education. You know, the extent of my formal English education starts and ends at Schoolhouse Rock. (laughs) So (laughs) I learned so, so much from the editing process. Different editors. Guys, work with a lot of editors. Even if, like, Mashika coming up, um, I decided to use two. One for grammar and one for strictly story structure. Um, Because it's hard to step outside your work. And, uh, I always say you don't want to get the, uh, what is it? The, um, 
the George Lucas syndrome, where you can't see what fans originally appreciated about your voice. Um, but yeah, I've learned a lot about that. I've learned a lot about publishing, the ins and outs of that, just hanging around Source Point so much, you know, hanging around Travis and, um, you know, the logistics of everything. Because you think you know, you really don't know how this goes, how this works, and how much patience you have to have, and mm. how much money goes into this. So, um, but gosh, I, 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 after this conversation, I could probably name off twenty more things that I've learned. But I'm <laughs> a completely different person now than I was four years ago when I first started. Doing a comic book, there's a lot of people in the mix. You know, like you said, the editors. There's people who you know, draw the artwork, you know, how do you sort of, you know, let yourself open to, you know, be able to work with all these different people and sort of gel together? How do I leave myself open? You mean? Yeah. How do you, yeah. How do you, how do you stay open-minded enough to, you know, still, you know, want to be, you know, have your words on paper, but work with all these different people? Uh, the motivation for that is, do you want to stay in this industry for long? because you always have to evolve. So um, you're going to have to challenge yourself all the time, work with other people, work with other editors, um, and work with other genres. You never want to pigeonhole yourself. I am, I write science fiction and horror, um, but I've also written a children's story. Um, I write greeting cards um, now. I can't name the company for um, uh, con contractual reasons right now, but... Um, but uh, yeah, challenge yourself and uh, venture into other things that you, you're not comfortable with um, and work with other people that maybe you've never even heard of um, because that's how that's going to give you staying power the more you evolve. Is there any, is there ever like any sort of time where, you know, is there like a feeling out process with people you're about to work with? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, and you can tell a lot. By, uh, because you know what, if, you, if you're not fast and you're lazy and you're non-communicative, this industry is really small. <laughs> Everyone's going to know about it and you're not going to work very long. So you've got to be efficient. you got to be, you know, communicative and you, you just got to be on it. you got to get shit done. You know, um, in this industry, we always say a great page is a done page. Currently, you're in the middle of your run of uh, Nora. You know, what was, the, what was the original ideas that, you know, came about to when you started writing uh, this story? I know it came from somewhere else, but, you know, where did, you know, where did those ideas come from? Um, you know, when I was uh, 26, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And from then, I became fascinated with the brain and how it worked. And I wanted to learn everything about my disease. Um, and, but I've also dabbled in the metaphysical too. So I thought, you know, what is, um, a coma? And I thought, mm. well, to me, it's a metaphysical house in space, somewhere cold and desolate between life and death. Um, and so I applied that to, uh, way too many NPR broadcasts about the CIA. <laughs> so, um, that all just kind of converged to make Nora. Right. When reading uh, Nora, there's sort of like this balance of like the, you know, sort of sort of a supernatural mixed with like medical and technology. Like where did the idea to sort of, you know, 
you know, throw this balance together and sort of have this sort of conversation between those two worlds? Um, I think it's because I, I think it just came naturally. I love dark science fiction. I love hard sci-fi. You know, I'm a big fan of Blade Runner um, and the Aliens franchise. And um, I don't know. It, it's weird because the most, <laughs> most horror writers are probably one of the bubbliest people you'll ever meet. You know, like myself, uh, Dirk Manning, Stephanie Maynard. Um, but uh, maybe it's because we know how to channel our dark side. Everybody has one. Right, right, right. <laughs> most balanced, insane people that you'll ever meet. <laughs> what do you think is like sort of like the, the underlying message with when you talk about sub, like this subject of, of like the outside world and then these technologies that maybe we don't know about? There's a lot of unknown that almost is present with uh, both sides of, those, of that coin. You know, what, what do you think the, sort of like the underlying message of all that is? Um, <laughs> I, I would say it's science, not so fiction. You know, I, I read a lot of crazy shit and I'm one of those woke people. <laughs> there, there's a, a lot of underlying messages in there too. A lot of subliminal messages. Um, and I always say, you know, ask me over a beer, I get crazier. Um, because it's things that you don't talk about for risk of damaging the brand, I guess, in <laughs> uh, your personal brand. But like I said, you know, it's, Synthetic genome is is not something new. You know, tampering with DNA is not something new. Um, none of this is. Um, and uh, biological warfare, God, that's as old as the 40s. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think that's the underlying message is stay woke. <laughs> stay woke. It seems like a lot of the seems like a lot of the the characters in Nora, to a certain extent, are are also battling stuff from their past. You know, you know, where does that come from? You know, I, um, it's funny because someone asked me once, they were like, is Nora you? And I said, well, aesthetically, everybody thinks it is, but it isn't. And then I'll go on and say, they go, no, I don't mean aesthetically, but is it you? And I had to stop and go, get out of my head. <laughs> uh, because she is someone who is, she seems listless, hard, and she is forced to um, remain uh, ob objective. Um, and, uh, you know, in the issue one, when she said, we don't know what we'd do without her, and she responds, you figure it out because you have to. I mean, it didn't add to because you have to, but that was her reasoning. Um, and I think it's because the most listless emotional people are scared to be emotional because they won't be able to stop. You know, and I'm, I'm very sensitive. I'm a, I'm a highly emotional person. And, but I'm also an extremist too. It's either do or don't this or that. And there's pros and cons to all of that. But when you are an extremist, it's because you don't want to think about it. You don't want to relish in any sort of um, over emotion because you know yourself. Um, and in extremism, the decision has been made. And then it, it hands off. So I think a lot of it stems from that. Also, it's funny because J.J. Cott um, did a pennant for me of um, the first issue, and it was Nora and, um, um, excuse me, uh, Anna, Anna Diane. And I said, oh, my God, it looks like Ripley and Newt. And he actually apologized. He's good. oh, my God, it really does. I go, no, no, no. You just made me realize that she's my Ill and Ripley. 
And I, that's the first person I idolized growing up. You know, she was strong, but she was human. And I like a lot of human elements with my fiction. I like a lot of rawness to the piece. I want somebody to say, this is a wild-ass sci-fi, but I really feel like I can relate. You know, that's a challenge. In the story, you know, Nora does have, you know, these, you know, special powers, things that she, she can um, serve to other people, you know, for good or for whatever, you know, they're looking for. But it seems like she's also at war with those with those things in our lives, you know, what sort of like, you know, your thought process between having the, having that sort of a responsibility in your life to use what, what you have for either good or just to not use it at, at all. It's weird because I feel like the entire series is a question, you know, um, is one human life more valuable than the other or is it all the same? Um, do it, I mean, if you want to send a message, is this the right message that you're sending? You know, when it comes to buy a warfare, and no, none of these answers to me are wrong. Um, it's just all about perspective. Um, and uh, sorry, what was the original question? <laughs> Not um, just how like <laughs> how like you know, if you have certain talents or certain powers, you know. Oh. Do you sort of, you know, where's, you know, where's the balance with that? You know, is there a responsibility to use your powers for the good or not use them at all? Cause you might be scared of what might happen with, you know, what you have. Um, I think that is what Nora's trying to figure out. Um, and, uh, in issue, issue two, you know, she says, this is not a road to redemption. The things that I've done and been involved in, there's just no coming back from that um but it keeps me from feeling like a piece of shit <laughs> so what she's doing she she does for herself um and i don't think just because you possess a skill or um a power that everyone is entitled to it i don't feel that way at all you know i feel i would feel like that's a very personal decision why do you why do you think this character does what she does to be able to sort of help these people along the way? Um, for that same reason, just to keep from feeling like a piece of shit. Because <laughs> I think that if she does, like I said, if, if she's scared to show emotion because of being over emotional, her dark past, all of that would just consume her, and then she would just, you know, fade into the abstract. Do you, you know, do you think that, um, that Nora has a bit of a empathetic side to her, to these people? I think she fights it. I think she fights it. Uh, but that's something that I feel like the reader should decide. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> nice. Um, that's, let's talk about the, um, the cover art for your issues. Um, who did the cover art? Jason Westlake. Jason did that. What's the what's the story behind it? What were you trying to convey? Um, with with Jason's style, he has a very um, a vector style, and um, so we wanted to use that, even though it was so much different than um, the Sean Seals painterly style. Um, it, it's also a trademark. Uh, it's very easy to identify, and I think that's what we wanted to. There's uh, there's an edge to it, an easy easily identify excuse me an easy to identify edge 
I think that's what we were going for. These bright colors and um, these silhouettes that it just one silhouette says so much about what you're about to read. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, the artwork for um, like actually inside the comic book, you know, what did you, you know, we're hoping to convey in, in, in with, uh, you know, mixing in with your, uh, your words, your, you know, the, the story that you wrote. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Sean Steele, I had been stalking him for a while on Facebook <laughs> and uh, I just thought there's so much drama and at such a thick atmosphere to this work and me being a primate, um, I had no idea how he was doing it. I was like, so is that like a heavy colored pencil or finally he goes, I'm painting it. And I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> I want that, you know, fine arts and comics, hell yeah. So, um, and then he had just started doing comics himself, some comic work for um, Michigan Comics Collective, which was a nonprofit at the time. Um, it still is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I said, and when I talked to Travis, and he was already doing work for uh, SourcePoint, I said, um, I, I want Sean. And he's like, okay, let's do it. How do you, you know, how do you feel like sort of like the, like in your words, the thickness of uh, that artwork, you know, leads to the, the emotion of the story? Uh, you know, Nora's a slow burn and it's something that, um, I, it, it's real heavy and my writing tends to be heavy. It just is. Uh, anyone can tell you that anyone who's read pieces of madness can tell you that. Um, so I, I wanted people to feel the weight in each panel, the weight that Nora carries. And it's not a bummer comic. I make it sound like, it. but um, it's a, it's a dark sci-fi and it's a slow burn. It's like, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a sip, a sip of bourbon at a time. It's not like a, you know, you, you, you can't chug it. <laughs> you know? So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think Sean's work was perfect for this. Now going into volume two, we are switching to uh, Kelly O'Hara, who uh, has not done comic work previously, but um, she is a fine artist whose roots are uh, manga inspired, very Japanese inspired. Now, is it going to be a manga? No, but you're going to see some of the influence. How did how did that uh, sort of manga influence uh, convey the message of your uh, of your stories? Uh, it, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, it wasn't something I thought about, but, um, I've always wanted to work with Kelly and, um, I mean, we'll see. Um, it, it's cool to watch artists, uh, interpret your words and your stories and you never know what you're going to get. And, but it's fun. You know, it, it never gets old. You will never, never, never get old. Um, seeing something you visualize come to life um by someone else's hands it's it's super cool it's super exciting and that's what i love about comics right what yeah what's what's usually your initial thoughts when someone brings you like a sample artwork of something to put in these comics you know what kind of goes through your head um I, every time i'm just blown away every time i'm just like wow that's exactly what it's on my head <laughs> um, i sound dumb but it's 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 super cool um it uh it you makes you feel powerful 
it, it really, really does. And you're like, wow, we're creating a new thing. This is going to be a thing. Everything that I thought is now a thing. Um, and you're like, get this kind of godlike complex. Like, I'm the master of the universe. <laughs> uh, but, but it's cool. It's like, yeah, things that I thought, I put it on paper, and boom, it became a thing. Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really fun. Never gets old. Right. Outside of um, writing comics, um, you know, what's some of the other things that you uh, like to do, some of your other inter- interests? Um, outside of writing comics and writing books, um, I work out a lot. I'm, I, I'm, I weight train a lot. Yeah, I saw you um, flashing the guns on Instagram. Yep, yep. Um, I used to be about 275 pounds um, long ago, and weight training is what saved me. Um, so, and I've continued it. I love it. There's not a lot of things you could control, but, um, one thing you can control is like sculpting your own body. And I think that's fascinating. Right. Right. So, right. That's what I do outside of, outside of comics. <laughs> I, I'm always in the gym. Right. You, you said you were diagnosed with uh, MS, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. How does that, how does it? how do you have to work around that with, um, you know, weight training? It's actually helped. Okay. Uh, there's a theory that it helps, uh, for, like when you lift and get the endorphins going, get the blood flowing, it breaks through the um, blood-brain barrier, um, and it also um, it it's a stress reliever too. And a lot of flare-ups for MS is brought on by stress. Um, it eases the nervous system, and um, also it helps uh, to push spinal fluid um, through um, the the brainstem. And these are all theories. Um, the theories that I'm apt to believe because, you know, I practice it and it helps me and I haven't had a flare. Uh, it's been, gosh, it's been a little over a year since my last one. Oh, okay. You, you know, you mentioned that times when people would ask you if like the Nora character is you and you're like, Oh, maybe, maybe. And like, Oh, get out of my head. But how much of you is in your work, whether it is Nora or any of the other books that you, uh, that you write? everything and I can't help it and I don't I never really realize it until later um a lot of my uh a lot of my stories are influenced by people I know real people and you know they always say write what you know and that's you know that that comes across a lot in my work um and also I see putting people in uh in your literature um you're giving them the gift of immortality. You know, my dad is in Nora and he's a big character in Nora. He's general brand. And, um, <laughs> that means a lot to me cause he'll never die. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, to sort of, uh, close out this, uh, uh, conversation, I did, uh, pose a question to you in advance to think about. Um, and that question is who is somebody that has uh, been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview also, they would have some great stories. You know, Victor Dandridge. Do you know who he is, Victor Dandridge Jr.? Nah. Okay, so um, he is a comic creator um, who has just uh, been able to do full uh, comics uh, full-time, which is great. So he's somebody who has just jumped over the cusp. And he's also now, he's just taken over Wizard World Artist Alley. That has given us creators so much hope because 
people were dropping out of Wizard World shows because they were so celebrity centric and they could not in a sink or swim man they just drowned drowned but now he has taken over Artist Alley and he is the head of it so we are coming back to Wizard World shows now and um, he's making a hell of a difference So, and he is he well self-proclaimed but I will agree he is the hardest working man in comics um, Victor Dandridge Jr and I can um, give you his information after this too cool 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 all right, it's been great talking with you. Uh, definitely um, excited to uh, read the, the, the fourth uh, issue of Nora when it comes out. When's that yeah, coming I, out? I, I believe it's in, in a week. Oh, in a week. All right, good, good. It's coming, man. It's I'm, coming. I have it for uh, Toronto Comic-Con. Really stoked about that. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Great. And if anybody wants to find out more information about you online, where can they go? You can go to CosmicCasey.com, both with K's, Facebook.com slash CosmicCasey, Twitter at CosmicCasey, or Instagram at KCDWrites, not as in women's live, but as in physical writing. (laughs) All right, great. It's been good talking with you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay, so that was my interview with Casey Pierce, comic book horror sci-fi author. Definitely, you know, check out some of our work. You can always go to CosmicCasey.com, and those are Cosmic and Casey are spelled with K's. Uh, all this will be linked up in the show notes at FreshesThePodcast.com. And if you want to, and just a reminder on how you can support everything here at Fresh is the Word, we are, you can go to FreshesThePodcast.com and just uh, share any links that you have on your social media. Uh, you can go on to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and just search Fresh is the Word and listen to the podcast there. Please, if you can, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leave us a good rating, hopefully five stars. And if I do see that even on any of the platforms, anybody makes any uh, comments, I'll go ahead and read them on the, uh, on the podcast in future episodes. Um, if you want to follow me online, you can always go to both on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Kelly Omega Fresh. At Facebook, I'm on Facebook.com slash KFresh. And on Mixcloud, I'm at Mixcloud.com slash Rensoul. And the podcast, Fresh is the Word, can be found on Twitter at FITW Podcast. On Instagram at Fresh is the Word Podcast. Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast. SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Fresh is the Word Podcast. This week's Fresh Pick of the Week is from someone also that I met at Astronomicon. It is comic book writer Dirk Manning. Uh, recently, he put out a, uh, his a new comic book called Hope that he did with uh, artist Kaylin Smith. Uh, this is kind of a departure for uh, Dirk Manning. He usually goes for more, he's more of a horror writer, a lot of madness, a lot of that type of stuff. This is more of a superhero comic book. And for this first issue of Hope, you know, we're introduced to this world where there are superheroes. They exist. But they're welcomed with mixed feelings by society. You know, this, the, lead char- the lead character of the story you know, she just wants this normal sense of human humanity. She just wants to live like a normal person. 
but because of her superpowers, I just feel through this first episode, or this first uh, issue, that society doesn't feel like they need or deserve to help her or have any sort of real camaraderie. I'm really excited, you know, where this uh, story goes. You know, there's a lot of, you know, seeds that I can only assume are planted on this first issue. Um, if you want more uh, information in regards to that, you know, you just go, just need to go to uh, darkmanning.com. And again, this will be, uh, be linked up in the show notes on the podcast, on the podcast website. So that was the fresh pick of the week. And that is the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. We have a lot of great stuff coming up. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.